Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Wake Up to the Word. We are recording in the evening uh, this episode of New Testament Friday. New Testament Friday. So glad you're here with us. Uh, if you're listening in the morning, there's your wake up call and uh, a new sound effect. So glad. <laughs> Glad you got that. No coffee right now. It's evening, so I'm not drinking coffee. But we did do the coffee of the week. It was Newman's. Newman's Zone. It's a good, good, good roast. I, I really enjoyed it. So we'll probably do that one again. But uh, we had a question from last week's New Testament Friday. And this comes from, the only thing I have is ADK1838. ADK so this was a question that she asked, and this was a great question. I wanted to discuss a little more on the verse Matthew twelve forty three and the unclean spirits. It says, the unclean spirits passes through waterless places seeking rest. Explain waterless places. What did this mean? Thank you. Great question. Great question. Well, the Greek word used there... Anudros, uh, or anudros, anudros, I put the emphasis in the right place. Anudros it has a multi multiple meanings. Waterless is one of them, but dry or desert places is what it is. And the interesting thing is, as we look at the uh, entomology of the spirits, unclean spirits in particular, when you go all the way back to the Old Testament, the desert places is where they are notoriously spending time. So <clears throat> when Jesus goes into the desert to be tempted, that's where uh, Satan meets him in the desert. And so they go through the dry and desert places uh, looking, uh, passing through the waterless places, seeking rest, because that's where the unclean spirits are they're in the the barren desert places so that's what that reference is but that's a great question i'm glad you asked it but that really connects very well so that's a kind of a uh, whether you knew it or not you were looking at the text with ancient hebrew eyes because uh, the waterless the dry places would have been something that uh, uh uh, a Jewish person, a Hebrew person, Israelite, would have read that and known exactly what that meant. They would have known exactly what that was speaking of. That that arid realm of the dead is called the, a dry desert place. And so that's where he's looking for rest because that's where the, the, the uh, unclean spirits are. That's where the evil resides. So uh, great, great question. Thank you for a asking that question. And uh, we're going to get into this. We got um, our Bible reading plan here, and we're coming to the end. We got Luke for New Testament Friday here on uh, the 24th of March. We have Luke 6 and Matthew 11 of your Bible reading plan. You should have gotten a new one. And uh, this next week, you'll see the new one pop up at lifecoast.org if you're getting your reading plan from there. So <clears throat> that will be your April, starting your April reading. So uh, we're going to get started. 
in our uh, Bible reading. And a lot of chapter 6 of, of um, Luke is connected with a lot of what we've already read over the past couple of weeks in the New Testament. So uh, Lord of the Sabbath, we've actually hit that in two different places. Um, the man with the withered hand who gets healed, that one was already covered. The 12 apostles that he selects, that was covered. Uh, this is um, a, a new section starting at uh, 6, uh, excuse me, Luke six seventeen, And he came down with them and stood on a level place with a great multitude of disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon who came to hear him and be healed of their diseases, and those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all the crowd sought to touch him, for power came out of him and healed them all. Just a short little snippet of the amazing things that Jesus did. And we don't even get to see all of the things that he did, but... <clears throat> these little captures that we get through the Gospels. I, I, I heard somebody once um, talk about a study that was done and tried to compile everything from the Gospels about Jesus' life. And they said, at the, the fewest amount of days they think are recorded here is like 27 days. And the most is like 40. And so they said, that's it. Out of the three years of ministry that is averaging probably about 30 days, they said, 30, 32 days, something like that is, is probably how much time is actually recorded here. So not a lot of time. We get these short little snippets of things that happen, but amazing things that happen. So yeah, I love that verse there, 18, and all the crowd sought to touch him for power came out of him and healed them all. So just that was great stuff. And then we talk about the Beatitude. There's a little uh, mini Beatitude section there. And we, we did a whole teaching on the Beatitudes. Um, and Jesus pronounces woes on, his, on, on, his, um, on, this, on the culture and the time. He says, woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you. When all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. So, <clears throat> I think I got some. Sorry, a little frog in my throat. <clears throat> so, uh, these uh, four woes that kind of it's it's almost a balance off to this little section of of the blessings, the beatitudes that Jesus gives is like four blessings there, and then he gives four woes. It's it's a uh, pivoting. It's a, a pivot point in in um, poetic kind of writing here that Luke goes into. I'm not. Uh, I haven't dug into all of this particular portion. Maybe I'll do a little research, uh, but I, I didn't get into that for this week. Um, but but it's a it's a great one. Bounces off the other, so it's uh it's pretty uh pretty cool because one's talking about being poor and then it talks about rich and it says woe to you who are full now the second one is um uh blessed are you who are hungry so it's talking about the opposite the next one blessed are you who weep and then it says woe to you who laugh and blessed are you who 
who uh, people hate you and when they exclude you. And this one says, woe to you all people who speak well of you. So this is like the exact opposite. They're, they're counters to that. And um, uh, it's, it's an interesting portion of scripture that, that kind of pivots the thinking against those others. Uh, then we get to a love your enemies. And there actually was another section. It starts at 27. Um, love your enemies. Uh, but I say to you, you here, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. For pray for those who abuse you. And so he goes on, and this, this continues. Uh, down at 32 is, if you love those who love you, what benefit is it to you? For even sinners love those who love them. But if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is for you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is it to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. And here's the crux. Here's the pivot. But love your enemies and do good. Lend expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. And that's that's the step of faith right there. And and this has always been uh, where Stacy and I land. Uh, if someone asks us to borrow money, we never lend money. We give money. We give a gift. If they give it back, they give it back. If they don't, they don't. But <clears throat> if you lend money waiting to get it back, you'll always hold something against that person if they don't get it back to you. So it's it's never... We never, we never loan money. We, 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 uh, we bless people. And, uh, and, and that way we're never hurt. We're never burned. Uh, we don't lend money we don't have. We don't, we don't, we don't give beyond our ability. Uh, we give as God blesses us. We bless others. And so it's not something we do all the time, but there have been times. And so, and it's a great way to live your life. It's a great way to save your heart and uh, relationships. Yeah, you'll never... Uh, feel bad about it. I can tell you right now, never feel bad. Um, sometimes the money comes back. I can tell you it has a few times. And when it does, it's a blessing because you, you never expected it. And so you're not, you're not looking for it. You're not, you're not anticipating it. You're not counting on it being there for any particular time. And when it comes back to you, it's a blessing. You put it back in the fund for blessing others. That's what you do. So um, <clears throat> judge others. Uh, we've talked about this again. Again, this is a, a, a repeat. And a lot of the Gospels have have uh, parallel messages. So I, I'm, I'm not going to get redundant unless there's some real new information in there. Like the Beatitudes here, we had some woes in comparison to the, to the blessings. Um, the last part of six is uh, build your house on a rock. Uh, why? I love the first part of this verse, uh, 646. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? And do not do what I tell you. And I have a note here that I've written. <laughs> yes. Why? <laughs> and, and that's just, uh, this is the thing. This is it. This is, this is the salvation as my pen goes flying across the room. So um, <clears throat> you talk with your hands. You, you can be a catapult. So uh when you give you life to the Lord, it's not about just saying a quick prayer and now you're in heaven. 
that's just not biblical for one thing uh but it's it's a it's a giving of yourself over to God. You have become a disciple of Jesus Christ. You and what disciple is someone who's learning and changing and growing and becoming more like Christ. That's what you're being. You're being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And so you should be changing. You should be doing the things that He's called us to do. That's how we should be changing. Um and it goes on to tell the story about the man who built his house. On the sand, he says, but the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built his house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. If you don't have that foundation of Jesus Christ, his word, who he is, what he's done for you, and that you're giving your life over to him, uh, if you don't have that foundation, then... When the world comes in, when things beat you down, you do not have steady legs to stand on, theologically speaking, and uh, and and with your with your heart and your life and 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 your responses. And so you got to build that foundation. This is why I tell people: do not set your theological foundation during times of trouble. When things are good, that's when you dig in and learn and grow and walk with people. Yes, you're going to walk with them during times of trouble too. But then if you haven't set your heart with Christ, if you have not set your foundation and trouble comes, now you're trying to set your foundation on wiggly legs and and, uh, a wiggly, uh, uh, unstable heart. And you want things to be the way you want them to be. And the problem is God's foundation is God's foundation. And it's not always what we want it to be. It's how he has designed it. And there's no getting away from that. And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's difficult for us to understand. Uh, But we need to walk with God and set our foundation. All right. We're going to keep going here. Uh, We're going to move over to uh, 11. Matthew chapter 11, and you notice we kind of hop backwards because uh, Matthew didn't quite put everything in a chronological order. Luke has more of a chronological order to what he does, and so some of these, that's why the parallels, we're trying to put the parallels together in the order that they happened, and uh, so we're in uh, jumping backwards a little because we did 12 last week, and we're doing Matthew 11 this week. So uh, the messenger from John the Baptist. Uh, so John comes and asks this question, uh, 11.2. When John heard in prison about the deeds of Christ, he sent word for his, by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? Excuse me. And Jesus answered them, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. So we have, uh, we have, John asks the question, Jesus gives the answer, and there is, um, he connects it, he he doesn't say, yeah, I'm the one. 
he says, go tell him what you've seen and what you've heard. And why does he say that? Because John knows the Old Testament. Isaiah 61, 1 through 3 talks about everything the Messiah is going to do. And it's kind of touches all of these things. And so this is Jesus saying, if you know what the Messiah is supposed to do, here's the things I'm doing. You tell me, am I, am I the Messiah? You decide in your heart, am I the Messiah? So that's where he is with that. That's a cool portion of scripture. Um, then we come to this uh, other portion here where it says, um, Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there is there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Jesus talking. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. That's quite a statement right there. Because it says in verse 12, His affairs first. Oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets in the law prophesied until John, if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who has come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. But to what shall I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to their playmates. We play the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not mourn. Kind of strange stuff. It's another Old Testament quote, but the verse that I'm looking at here is 12, <clears throat> verse 12 from Matthew 11. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and violence takes it by force. This word violence, biazzo, uh, this Biazzo word is uh, can be translated violence, but it's it's a play on words uh, because they use the same word twice with the same root twice with different endings because one is a verb and the other is a noun. Okay, so um, this one says you know uh, the kingdom of heaven has suffers violence and the violent take it to by force but it's it's really um uh it's a masculine noun and and the violence is it can be violent so has suffered violence and violent men or strong men uh have taken it by force so it's it uses the same word because it's doing a play on words okay but they would have known then that it's it's not truly violent men it's men of strength so it's men of strength take it by force so it's 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 suffered harm and men of strength take it by force so what it's saying is is that uh the kingdom of god is getting pushback from the world and you need to be strong to advance the kingdom of God. And anyone who's tried to share the gospel or uh, entered into conversation with someone who's pushing back, you realize you need to have a strong heart. You need to be armed up with the word of God. You need to be prayed up with the spirit of God. And and to enter into these conversations, to enter into these, these are kingdom battles 
and you need to step up in strength, not just men, but women in every area of life. And I, I can recall many conversations where the pushback just keeps coming. And sometimes it's in the form of questions, and sometimes it's it's in the form of just disbelief, but it it it's attempting to make you feel bad for having the truth, making you feel foolish and putting you down because you are sharing the truth. You have a foundation in Jesus Christ, and you're trying to share that because you love people, but they are trying to put you down because they don't want to change their life. They, If this is true, if this book is true, then my life has to change. And that's where my life did change, because I came to the place in my heart and my mind and my soul where I knew this was true. And if this is true, that means I have to change, because I'm going to follow Christ. And yes, I'm going to obey what he says. So if you're sharing that with others and they realize this, or they even think that this might be true, then they're thinking, I have to change. And they are going to push back. And it's going to seem aggressive. And it's going to seem violent. It's going to be harsh. They're going to try to do harm. Not necessarily physical harm, but that can come too. But they're trying to harm your reputation. They're trying to make you look foolish so that your truth doesn't carry weight. And then they don't have to change. So this violent movement of the kingdom of God needs strong people to move it forward. You need to be strong of heart. You need to have strength in your foundation to move the ball forward. Uh, talks about woe to unrepentant cities. And the last part of it uh, is down here in 11. It says, come to me and I will give you rest. So I'm going to read this whole last section, 25 through 30. <clears throat> At this time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's a promise from Jesus. Yeah, the kingdom of God advances with difficulty, but Jesus, to carry Jesus in your heart, to carry him is light for your soul. It's peace. So even in those struggles, you still walk with peace. And that's what that's what I've found, is that when the Spirit of God gives you words to say, when he brings scripture to mind, uh, when he gives answers in times of questioning, the burden is light. And 
It takes that strength of knowing God and, and prayer and preparation that when the time comes, the Spirit will reveal it to you. That's when it's all easy. That's when these things match up. That's when one touches the other. Each verse jumps right to the next. And it helps us to understand who he is and what he's doing for us. One little note I have is we, before we leave, it's in the previous verse. <clears throat> There's always this big conversation about uh, drinking and should Christians drink and should they not? And uh, it's it's always a big debate. Some people are just vehement against it, that you shouldn't drink. It's just absolutely shouldn't do it. And I understand there's a lot of addiction in the world. And I, and I totally get the pushback and why people shouldn't drink uh, because it really does harm to those who struggle. I get that. I don't have any issue with that at all. But when you read this verse... Uh, They're talking about John the Baptist. This starts at 18. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, he has a demon. And the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. So they're doing a comparison. They they demonized or villainized John the Baptist, and he didn't drink. He didn't drink alcohol. Uh, he, he didn't eat normal food that everybody else ate. He ate completely different food, uh, locust and honey. And he didn't drink alcohol. He, he took a vow and he didn't do that. And they said he was, he was from Satan. He was a demon. And then Jesus comes and it says he came eating and drinking. He ate with whatever the people were eating. And he drank whatever the people were drinking. And they called him a glutton and a drunkard. And he's a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But Jesus came to bring the the kingdom of God to those who are far from the kingdom of God. Did Jesus get drunk? No, he didn't get drunk. He wasn't a drunkard. But John the Baptist wasn't a demon either. So he wasn't a glutton. He didn't eat too much. And he didn't drink too much. This is what it's saying. But Jesus obviously drank wine. He drank with people who who drank, but he didn't drink in excess. He ate with people who ate, but he didn't eat to excess. What he did was he shared in what the people were doing without doing it to the evil extent, to the sinful extent. So Jesus sat with sinners, but didn't sin with sinners. Okay? And that's what we're called to do. All right? Uh, wine is a sign through all the Old Testament of blessing and of God's favor. Vats were filled. Vineyards grew. Uh, this was all part of God showing blessing on people. Uh, can man take God's blessing and abuse it? Absolutely. There's no question about it. But when people say that the Bible tells us we shouldn't drink, that's just not true. It just isn't true. And I'm not saying it because I like to drink, because I didn't drink for years and years because of what I was told the Bible said. But then I opened the pages and I read it. And so I know what it says. And it says I shouldn't be drunk with wine and I shouldn't be a bad example for people and I shouldn't lead people astray. So if someone's struggling with alcoholism or addiction, 
I'm not going to have a glass of wine in their company. I won't do it. I don't need it. But if I'm with other people and they have no problem and they offer a glass of wine and they have one, I'll have that glass of wine. Why? Because I don't want to make them feel guilty. I want to show that this is a sign of blessing from God. And I'm and I'm happy to, to be part of that. And this way, I can walk with them as Jesus walked with those people who ate and drank. And he brought them, showed them, revealed to them the kingdom of God and how they could enter into that kingdom. The wine isn't the important thing. The relationship is the important thing. So I hope you've been blessed today by that. And if you have any questions, just send them. This has been Wake Up to the Word, Nighttime Edition. (laughs) No, it's still New Testament Friday, so you can listen to it whenever you want. Love you guys. Keep reading. Keep laughing. Keep laughing. Keep praying. Most of all, keep advancing the kingdom of heaven.